When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm not joined by Jill because her week is chaos, but I am joined by the three people that frequently come on when she cannot. It's Emma, Kristen, and Maria. Hello, ladies. Hi. All in unison. Um, Hilariously, two of the three of them are using the recording studio that we have for the podcast that neither Jill nor I ever use. So at least someone's using it. So how's everyone? How's uh, how's everyone doing? I'm going to do the thing where I don't ask you one at a time. I'm just going to let everyone talk over each other. So how's everyone doing? Great. Good. No good. You guys did it. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> we're going to do what we always do when the three of you are on collectively. We're just going to do a little round table, a, a grab bag of book recommendations, as I want to call it. Um, so we're just going to go around the, the, the proverbial table, the virtual table, doing book recommendations of things we've been reading, are reading, have liked lately, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Um, if you somehow don't get a good recommendation out of this list, you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, like a few people did this week and got some recommendations. Or you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at ProBookNerds. Um, all three of you opening about it's Jill's doing all the TikToks. I'm doing all the Instagram reels. We've been having way too much fun lately. Um, we've actually lost some followers on Instagram because we won't stop doing reels. And honestly, I don't care. <laughs> this is for me, not them. That's amazing. Um, um, I didn't know you guys were on TikTok. All right, I'll have to follow you. Jill's very good at it. Yeah, I, it, she's kicking, kicking butt. It's very funny. I enjoy it. Um, and as always, all the books will be in the show notes. So no worries. Uh, writing them down. Um, I'm going to go below me in a circle. So I'm going to start with Maria. What is your right. first book you'd like to talk um, about? I also just wanted to say, I just wanted to like do a little like millennial like flashback from when you were going to the mall in the 90s um, for grab bags. Do you guys remember the Claire's grab bag? at like Claire's jewelry you could literally pay like $2.99 and just get like a paper bag of like whatever jewelry they felt like giving you that was like crappy jewelry and it was just like the best grab bag ever anyway so I hope someone else remembers the Claire's grab bag there's a bar and there's a bar in Lakewood that does that they do a brown bag beer and a shot for five dollars I love that I'm into it I'm, I'm always into a grab bag so yeah, I, if, I, yeah. anyway um, okay, so I, I will tell you what I'm currently reading because I'm really excited about it. Um, it's She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, and it comes out next Tuesday. I'm so excited for this. I can't wait to hear what you think of it so far. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. If I, I do all my like ebooks by percentages, so I'm 16% done. So I'm not like super far in, but um, it's an alternative history with like some fantastical elements, but um, 
basically it's about um, kind of like an alternative history of like the Mongolian rule era of uh, China, like 1300s. And um, there's a boy and a girl in like a, a village that's kind of like stricken by hunger and famine. And the girl and her brother get like their fate told to them. And the boy has a fate of greatness and the girl has a fate of nothingness. Um, then their father dies and um, the brother ends up succumbing to grief and also dies. And this girl's like, what she like almost becomes angry. She's like, what the heck? He was supposed to be like this great, um, you know, we had some great future ahead of him or whatever. And now he's dead. And so she realizes the only way to kind of just like exist in life and escape her fate of nothingness is to pretend that she is her brother. And so she goes to seek um, refuge in a monastery um, as him. And uh, she's, she's still doing that uh, right now in the book. But basically, um, just in order to escape her own basically fated death, she is using her brother's identity and just like her sheer will to survive. Um, and she's kind of like, at, at this point, starting to do some like questionable things to make sure she does not get discovered. Um, so it's really, it's really um, great so far. I'm enjoying the writing. Uh, as well and the descriptions of like the other monks and you know what kind of goes on day to day so I'm excited for more of this but I always love a fantasy heroine who is like from like that uh you know kind of socioeconomic like status and then is you know with her grit and everything kind of rises to um, maybe morally questionably rises to, you know, power and things like that. Kind of reminds me of Rin from the Poppy War series. Mm -hmm. So let me, I'm always down for that. So I've been enjoying it. It's, I think we talked about the Poppy War last time you were on. Yeah, we, we did. We <laughs> about it. Um, this one is high up on my list as well. Um, Kristen, what, what is your first one? Huh. Okay. So I'm also going to talk about what I'm currently reading, uh, which I just want everyone to read. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. It is The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling. And uh, in order to grab all of you, I'm going to tell you that if you like Crimson Peak, Mexican Gothic, and Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, this, this book should be on your reading list. I read the description of this book and was immediately like, yep, have to read it. And it was the next thing on my to be read pile. Um, so this takes place in a secondary world. So basically it's like Great Britain adjacent, um, like right after uh, probably World War One. I'm thinking. Um, and I will let you know, this book doesn't come out until October 5th. So I'm sorry to be talking about it early and Rude. you can't get it yet. I know, I know. Um, but our main character, Jane, um, she was orphaned at a young age and adopted by this other family. And now she realizes that the best path for her forward to remain independent is to like arrange her own marriage. And so she does that to this doctor. And the arrangement is basically that, you know, she'll help him out at his practice and he's like, okay, this is fine, but just one thing, you know, you can never come visit me at my family home. And so it's like, well, what's going on at the family home? Um, so of course there is this accident on their wedding night and she has to flee back to Lindridge Hall, which is uh, his family house. 
Uh, and she discovers like, he's just not the person that she thought he was. His confidence is completely gone. And he just seems like terrified. Uh, and so she slowly starts discovering what's happening at this hall. It is so good. And I'm about halfway through and I've been told like reading up on some of this stuff and some of the reviews that there's a big twist. And so now I'm like starting to guess at what this big twist is because it's just amazing. It's a really good, um, I guess it's kind of fantastical. There are some magical elements within it, but there's also, I will put a warning out there for anyone who's kind of yucked out by body horror they do do some surgeries and they talk about blood and guts and all that fun stuff. So just beware that, you know, if you read this, you're going to get into a little bit of that, but it's amazing. I can't wait for it to come out and for more people to read it because I am just loving it so far. What was the name of that one one more time? That is The Death of Jane Lawrence. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that was for me to add to my TBR, yep. honestly. Yeah, that sounds yep. really cool. Yeah. I think it said Crimson Peak, and I was like, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, say more words like that. <laughs> um, Emma, what is your first one? Uh, to continue the trend of what we're currently reading, I can continue that uh, with my two picks. I'm simultaneously reading the prequel novellas and the first book of a series, because why? Um, so I'm reading the Assassin's Blade and Throne of Glass, um, which are the novellas and first book of the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss, because we are still on the Sarah J. Moss train. <laughs> never ladies off. and gentlemen, never getting off it. I did take a detour. <laughs> I did take a detour and I will talk about some of those books, but because we're talking about what we're currently reading, um, this was me circling back to her other series. Um, after just reading all of uh, her other books before this. So it's interesting. Um, I know there's been a lot of debate about what order to read this series in, if you should read the first book or you should read the novellas or you should read them like one or the other. So I'm just reading the first two uh, at the same time because that makes tons of sense. Um, so <laughs> this series follows, I'm gonna see, and like Sarah J Moss likes a, unique name. Um, so I apologize to anyone who is going to cringe at how I pronounce the main character's name. Um, Selena Sardothian. Uh, she's an assassin. Um, as you are when you're a teen, uh, you know, you're a feared assassin in <laughs> a fantasy world. Um, so yeah, the, the novellas in the first book obviously introduce the reader to um, this young heroine who um, has a little bit of a notorious reputation um, and a little bit of mystique surrounding her, which is intriguing to me. I'm uh, not, I'm about halfway through each of these. Um, and so far it's just been really interesting because we've obviously got backstory in the prequels. Um, and then we have like current, I guess, or things that kick off the series in book one. Um, I would not recommend this approach to people, pick a book and read that first. <laughs> um, but I actually started reading Throne of Glass and then Heard that you need to read the prequels first and that that's the official way that Sarah J Moss recommends you read it so I like sort of slowed my reading of the first book and hopped into the novella so we're doing them simultaneously um, but yeah I'm enjoying it so far it's really interesting to have a different sort of world building 
um, in this new series, I mean, though, even though um, this series is not new, um, that I would definitely recommend for people that like her other stuff. Um, I can't tell if this was originally supposed to be written for teens or adults. It's kind of in between for me, um, but so far so good. It's There's like intrigue, fantasy. I think there'll be some romance. There's hints of it uh, throughout. So um, all the things I look for in a book at this moment. I need to get her on the podcast. <laughs> yes, you really do. I'm just thinking like, not only because she started her mouth and it's like, she has, she's talking like every other episode, but like, I think her and Rainbow are like the last two female YA like juggernauts that we haven't had on. Cause we've had Holly Black, we've had Victoria Schwab, we've had Lee Bardugo, um, we've had Cassandra Clare. Like, I just feel like- Yep, it's like, time. Rounded out, yeah. <laughs> it's time. And uh, her next book in the Crescent City series comes out in January. So like, huh? you know, in the lead up to that, come on the podcast. Calling my shot. We'll have Sarah J. Moss on the on, on the January episode. You heard it here first. Oh, I, yeah. I it's hap- it's gonna happen. Put it out right. Isn't that the secret? You just put it out in the world and then make it happen. That's Isn't right. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My first one is the 100 Years of Lenny and Margot, and allow me to get in a soapbox for one moment for this. So this is, without exaggeration, perhaps the saddest book I've ever read, but. I always see people say things like, if they hear a book is sad, like, well, I didn't want to read that because it was sad. It's the same thing I hear when people are like, I didn't want to read that book because it was super long. Prior to the Orange Tree is like 900 pages. One of the best books I've ever read. Nobody balked when the fifth, sixth, and seventh Harry Potter books were 12 billion pages. Everyone was excited about it. If you see a long book that sounds interesting, don't let that steer you away. If you see a book that sounds interesting that you find that is very sad, don't let that steer you away. I love books that move my emotions. I don't want to read a book where I feel nothing the entire time. So all of that said, I literally, thank you. Thank you. Stepping off myself. I don't know if you can hear it. Thank you. Hat tip. Um, (laughs) So this is a book and I was like ugly crying by the end of it. And I don't care. Um, It tells the story of two people who are in a hospital ward. Basically it is implied that they are never going to leave because they have terminal illnesses. One of them is 83 years old, that's Margot. The other one is 17 years old, that's Lenny. They collectively realize they have lived 100 years. And so what ends up happening is it's told mostly through Lenny's eyes and then Margot telling stories throughout her life is they create this art project where between the two of them, they're going to create 100 stories or drawings or paintings that depict all the years of their lives collectively. So the 100 years of these two wonderful people. And it's this very unlikely friendship. I love an unlikely friendship. Um, and it's extremely nostalgic. I'm a very nostalgic person. It really reminds me of a book that I talk about all the time, which is Lillian Box, Fish Takes a Walk. Um, but it just, it goes through, admittedly, the heartbreaking life stories of both of these characters and how they ended up in the hospital ward and how Lenny, despite being a 17-year-old with terminal cancer, is like the most positive and like curious person there could possibly be. And um, it just like goes through all their stories of their respective lives. And it's interesting because they don't really ever talk about how sick Lenny is getting. It's just like, she'll wake up one day and then there'll be people that were with her and she has no concept of like, was she just taking a nap or was it a surgery or how long was she sick? And again, it's extremely sad. 
I just told you that there are two people who have terminal illnesses, so you can probably figure out how this book ends, but it's so worth it. I, it's like, it has stayed with me. I put it on my own Instagram. I put it on the podcast Instagram. I've, like, I've had like seven people now in my life that have read this already who are just like social media friends of mine. And they're like, oh my God, this is like, yes, it's probably the saddest book I've ever read, but it's also probably the best book I've read all year. It's so good. And I just don't let it scare you off just because it's a very sad book. You will very much be happy you read this. So um, my next one will be very soapboxy. So Maria, what's your next book? Um, I have that on my list, uh, 100 Years of Lenny Margot. So. Oh, so, so, so good. Yeah. I Well, yeah, I just need to be like, since I know it's sad, I'm like, okay, I need to be like emotionally prepared. In my That's system. fair. Being yeah, in the right I just need to be ready for totally it. Totally fair. Yeah. I totally get that when someone's yeah. like, I'm not ready for a super sad book. Right. But don't, yeah. don't, yeah, don't dismiss it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my next one that I just finished is The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary. Um, I am um, obs- like, I wouldn't even say low-key. I'm obsessed with Beth O'Leary. Like anything she writes now, I'm like immediately like, must read now. Um, so this came out in June 2021. So I was like, must read now. <laughs> um, but if you if you haven't read, um, her other two books are The Flat Share and The Switch. Um, and they're just all really delightful. This one was definitely, I felt like a little bit um, different than the other two, but still very, very well written, very Beth O'Leary. Um, and, and it's about uh, a couple that four, four years ago, Dylan and Addie fell in love in a, like a whirlwind, a whirlwind summer romance, quick summer romance. Um, two years ago, their relationship officially ended. So now it's two years later and they're separ- separately head, um, headed to a mutual friend's wedding and they crash cars at the start of the journey there because they're both on the same like interstate, whatever. So along with Dylan's best friend and Addie's sister and a random guy on Facebook who needed a ride to the wedding, they squeeze into a Mini Cooper and they they set off. And this wedding is in like rural Scotland. So they have like a lot of driving to do, right? Um, and like cramped into the space, Dylan, there's a, there are a lot of mishaps that happen. Um, some are really funny and some bring to, you know, ahead these issues that Dylan and Addie are forced to confront um, and confront the choices that they made that tore them apart. And then kind of ask themselves, okay, was this the right decision? Um, you know, was there something we could have done differently, that sort of thing, because they both still have feelings for each other. Um, the chapters go back and forth between then, which is the progression and eventual downfall of Dylan and Addie's relationship, and now, which is the road trip, obviously, and they alternate the main character's point of view. And like, this sounds like a hilarious premise, but, and there are some like really laugh out loud funny moments. I like when there's like really funny moments in a book, I will like tell my husband about them, even though he has like no clue what's going on in the book. So there was a couple of that where I was like, ha ha ha, Jesse, guess what? And he's like, I don't know what's happening, but you know, he just, he just deals with it. Um, But even though those were there, she also deals with a lot more serious topics like sexual assault, alcohol issues, anxiety, and she does it with really great sensitivity, but also a lot of, a lot of realness. I, I thought, um, it's, and it's just a really good portrayal about how dysfunctional relationships, like Dylan's relationship with his best friend, um, and and like and also like Dylan's relationship with his dad and kind of with himself can affect your other relationships and how hard it can be to 
you know, fix yourself and grow so that these relationships can also grow and last. So it, it had a really good dichotomy of like funny situations, like the whole random guy on Facebook who needed a ride. That is like a whole subset of the plot that is like bonkers. Um, and I think it, it adds a lot of levity to, you know, these other topics, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I read it in just a few days and I, I highly recommend Beth O'Leary to, to like everybody. <laughs> Sounds really good. Um, Kristen, what's your next one? Um, so speaking of favorite authors, um, I'm going to talk about Grady Hendrix because I adore Grady Hendrix. Have you guys had him on the podcast? He actually was um, this Monday's Ed Jill interviewed him for the, I can actually tell you about I, the story about the fact that um, Horror Store is like set basically in our office. She <laughs> talked to him about that. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Oh my gosh. I love Grady Hendrix. And um, this year I'm focusing my like personal and professional focus is on horror uh, fiction. And so I decided to read Paperbacks from Hell and it has been like my favorite read of the year. It is hilarious. Um, It's basically a breakdown of all the old like 70s, 80s, 90s paperback horror. Um, and it's phenomenal. So Grady Hendrix goes through and he breaks down each chapter and hold on, I have the chapters here. There's when animals attack, real estate nightmares, uh, splatterpunk, serial killers, and super creeps, hail Satan, creepy kids. Um, it's just amazing. So each chapter goes into like different books that fit into these categories. And then also kind of talking about like why was this a thing? And he's hilarious. So like, it starts off talking about this leprechaun horror book, which sounds great. uh, And was basically about um, like a couple who goes to Ireland and um, it turns out they get like kidnapped and put in a dungeon by leprechauns who are Nazis. So it's just like, these are the kind of paperback horror books that existed uh, like within our lifetimes. And um, I loved this book so much. So from someone who works with books on a daily basis, but also absolutely adores reading and books, um, I would highly suggest this to anyone who also loves books, loves reading books about books, or anyone who's into horror, um, anyone who likes like fun campy stuff, that is what this title is. And um, the physical or also the uh, ebook version of it includes like all of the cover images or a lot of the cover images from the titles he talks about. And they're hilarious. So this has also now started a new obsession for me, which is collecting old horror paperback novels. So anytime I find them at a thrift store or a used bookstore, I'm like, yep, taking that one, taking that one. And they're ridiculous and mm-hmm. so fun. So I love Grady Hendrix for introducing this into my life and just because he's a fantastic author. So I highly recommend this book and basically anything else by him. Yeah, I I second that. It's Grady Hendrix week on the podcast. So that's perfect. (laughs) Paperbacks from Hell is so fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Emma, what is your next one? Okay. I have two more, but do you want the one that I liked or the one that I didn't like? 
Let's do the one that you liked first. Okay. <laughs> so this is a little bit of a random choice for me because I don't ever read nonfiction, um, let alone like businessy self-help type of books. Um, but in between my Sarah J. Moss readings, I decided to just totally switch things up and check out um, Power Moves by Lauren McGoodwin. She's the founder of the website Career Contessa, and um, it's sort of a career resource for women. And the website includes everything from like courses to interviews, articles, like tips, um, job searching skills, and a bunch of other really cool things. So she wrote this book that came out last year. Um, so it's been on my to read pile for a while. And um, the book pretty much gives you an in-depth look at some of her tips for how to like unstick your career. Um, and so if you kind of feel like you're in a rut or you want to change things, um, the book really goes into different ways that you can do that and sort of take control of your career. Um, and I feel like I'm at an interesting point in my life where that was something that I was you know, intrigued by. Um, and just, I really found it helpful. It was a good, like quick read. Um, sometimes I feel like with business books or self-help books, you can kind of get bogged down in lots of details and they can feel like no offense to them, a little bit of a slog in my opinion, where you're just like trying to get to the points of the book. Um, but the chapters were like really concise. Each one has like a specific topic on how you can sort of change your career or make power moves as she's dubbed them and they include things like big and small so obviously like a large power move is to quit your job um, a smaller one is to like start incorporating certain practices into your day-to-day -day life um, and make like a gratitude list of things you like about work um, and so she kind of covers a bunch of different things that you can do and um, just provides a really interesting way to think about your career um, I think in, again, like in little ways and in big ways. So I really enjoyed it. I don't normally like, you know, career businessy books, but I thought it was a really quick, interesting read, especially for, um, millennial women. I think it'd be a really good read and um, for people that, um, I mean, I know all the studies about millennials are like not the nicest, um, but we all grew up with a lot of the same things that I do think are challenges now, um, for us. And she just had some really good insight into things where like, I absolutely would not have thought um, that you can actually have a little bit more control over your career uh, than you might think. Um, so yeah, that's my, my pick. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was certainly a change of pace from uh, the Sarah J Moss train. Um, but it was, I thought it was really worthwhile um, to just kind of look at things from a different way. Um. Another one that kind of will make you feel like the row you make you feel better about like being a millennial or a geriatric millennial, whatever the hell our term is like, um, is Anne Helen Peterson's can't even like it talks about how mm. the millennial yes. generation, like how we all work relentlessly. And it's like, we're constantly told like, it's never good enough, even though we're like, we have no work-life balance, you know, and it's, it's very, very interesting. So that's another one of those. Um, my next one is called Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby, which I think just came out. Um, yeah, July 6th. Yeah. 
<laughs> Emma's also looking at a making a face. Well, I I like that um cover and it did just come out. So I was like, yeah. oh, I know this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. It's so okay. So it's really, really good. It, it's it reminds me a lot of like a Michael Conley or a Harlan Coben book where it's very high action easy to reach out like easy to get through it almost feels like an episode of like law and order ncis it's just like um it's just like it's it's that's like the way i describe kind of those like i don't want to call them like dad thrillers but they sort of are like dad thrillers like that's how yeah, I, yeah, yeah 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 you know um and what the this one there's a little bit there, there's definitely more to this than than just that but there's these two fathers who are trying to avenge the deaths of their sons who were married and both of these fathers didn't really accept that their sons were gay and so they but they were both of their sons were violently they were violently murdered and they're trying to figure out why it happened and as it just would happen both of these fathers were previously like in jail and happened to be just like ultimate badasses and like one of them even says at the beginning of it like we're not about to go on some john wick type of a killing spree are we and the other one's like no of course not and then they proceed to like go on a john wick type of a killing spree where like they're just like it's like i, said, I don't want to call it formulaic but it's almost like every scene is they go to a place where they need a piece of information they get that piece of information but they end up getting in a fight with the bad guys and then they murder one or two of the bad guys and one of them gets a little bit hurt and so that's like makes the next scene even more challenging but it just kind of keeps going like that but I, i'm not putting it down in any way it's very fun and it's also very interesting because because of the fact that their sons are gay and like they didn't really accept them like interspersed in these scenes of just like ultra chaotic violence there's these like very down to earth conversations about why these fathers couldn't accept their sons and like how and like rant there's a um there's a transgender character in there that one of them like spends a lot of time with and they're basically just like they learn in real time like oh this this is who you are this is how you represent yourself this is how you see yourself and it's just so it's like it's very interesting because it's this it's like it feels somewhat like one of those very fun easy to get through like harlan coben like mysteries and then sandwich on top of that is like social commentary about um, inclusion and representation. It's really awesome. But but again, it is like, it's just after Lenny Mark, I've read like six straight, like absolutely soul crushing, beautiful books. And I was like, I need a book that's just going to be like, it's not, I, I call it like a romp is weird because it's like, there's a bunch of murders that happen. But violent romps. <laughs> yeah, like there's a wood chipper involved in one of the scenes. It's like watching Fargo where you're like, I shouldn't be enjoying this, but I am. So yeah, if if you like those types of like thriller types of um, fiction, it's it's really good. It's I'm very much very much enjoyed it. That's cool. I saved his wait. Uh, Blacktop Wasteland is that also by Cosby? I think I saved that one too because like I I kind of need stuff like that, and I, I don't mind the violence, but I need like some extra content in there, you know, like that yeah. kind of goes beyond that. So that sounds up my alley for that type of book. It's delightful. And, and I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I love horror and, but I think I can read basic the scariest possible horror books because my brain just like, if it's too scary, my brain just won't let me visualize the scary, scary thing. Same thing with like graphic violence in a, in a book, like in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's horrible. How can you show it to me? But like, they can describe it in a book. I'm like, yeah, they threw his body in a wood chipper and now he's yeah. Like, Fine. Yeah, you're, you're just I like, I have vague, yeah, you're like, I have a vague idea of what that would look like, but I don't need to go into detail. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Good yeah, time. they're taking out his stomach. Oh, all right. Whatever. Oh, no problem. <laughs> stomach out. Casual. Need. 
<laughs> yeah, who needs a stomach these days? <laughs> oh man. Um, let's do another one more time around. Maria, what, what's your what's your next one? All right. Um, I'm going to talk about a book that I am excited about um, coming out that uh, this series was originally recommended to me by Kristen, um, but the new Evie Dunmore historical romance is coming out and it's called Portrait of a Scotsman and it's out in 2021. This series, and I, I'm bringing it up because I know like romances are very popular and I probably don't need to recommend it to you, but I'm recommending this to you, oh listener, as if you do not like historical romances or you haven't tried historical romances, um, I would recommend this series. Um, and this is the third book that's coming out. Um, it was one of the first historical romances I ever read because I had tried a couple others and I, I hadn't enjoyed them. And I, I think I just hadn't found the right author. Um, so I haven't looked back after this one. And if I find a historical romance at this point that I don't like, then I just don't finish it. And I, I'm, I'm a, I usually finish a lot of books, but um, I think Evie Dunmore does a really good job of bringing in a lot of the historical aspects of the time period she's chosen to um, kind of center her books around. And that's like the women's suffrage movement in England. And I think especially the second book, which I think is called A Rogue of One's Own, it is like really full of historical goodies and like just some of the things that women had to go through just to try and be, you know, politically active while still being able to like be an eligible person to get married and, and things like that. Um, so I feel like her heroines are like extra badass and um, the deep dives are really great. But then there's also what you would come to expect from, you know, historical romance or still like a brooding hero or like a rake or that, that sort of thing. And so this is going toe to toe with a brooding Scotsman. Uh, is rather bold for a respectable suffrage, but when he happens, suffragist, but when he happens to be uh, her unexpected husband, because of course they were put in a situation where that had to happen, um, what else is she going to do, you know? So um, I just think if you, if you haven't tried historical romance in a while, I recommend this series and I have an arc of this and I am very excited to dive into it after I finish um, the Shelley Parker chant. It's really fun. I love like a historical book where you're just like, I need to dive into this time period. I want to figure these things out. Yeah. On my own. Like it makes you want to like get more into that. And I feel like she, she does a good job of that. Yeah, Plus her does. characters are a delight. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, what is your next one? Uh, okay. So I'm going to talk about My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And again, I'm sorry, everyone. This comes out on August 31st. Um, also, like, how awesome is that title? I love it yes. so much. I, I would read anything Stephen Graham Jones <laughs> writes. And this immediately, I was like, as soon as you said Stephen Graham Jones, I was like, of course, that's a Stephen Graham Jones book. That just, yeah. it just sounds, sorry, yeah. continue. No, no, you're fine. Um, so, yeah, last year he came out with uh, The Only Good Indians. And so this year uh, we are on with My Heart is a Chainsaw. And this is about our main character, Jade, who is a 17-year-old girl um, who is just ending her high school career. And uh, she comes from a home with an abusive father and a mother who uh, is, is absent. Um, and she lives in this town that is starting to change because 
it's being gentrified by these like millionaires, billionaires who are building these giant mansions across the lake. Uh, and she basically has created this shell of armor around herself in the form of horror. And she watches uh, um, slashers and that's like her world. So she has an encyclopedic novel of basically any slasher movie out there and um, she starts noticing that like, oh my gosh, she like literally finds a dead body in the lake. And um, what I loved about this novel is she does everything I would never do. Uh, and I feel like as a reader, I was getting so nervous on her behalf because it's like, she's hiding evidence. She's like trying to manipulate these situations to turn her actual life into a slasher film. Uh, and so she just keeps thinking about everything in terms of like, well, what would happen in a slasher movie? And you're in her mind kind of with her. So the whole time I'm just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I'm like, no, like it's not a slasher movie, Jade. This is your reality. Um, so it was just, she is a fantastic character who again, builds up in armor to make herself kind of unlikable to the outside world. And um, that is looked at a little bit. And it's just like, this was a character that I really, really enjoyed reading about. And it was a situation that was just kind of ridiculous because I think slashers generally are really ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Um, and just, I think Stephen Graham Jones does a great job of bringing in a lot of like literary elements and making his books so much more than just like your campy fun horror. So I loved this book. I thought it was really excellent. Um, and yeah, if you're looking for something that is a little bit deeper than just what most people think horror is, I'd say read anything Stephen Graham Jones. He's excellent. That um, I just said before how super scary books I can like not picture them and they don't scare me um that's not true the only good Indians scared the absolute shit out of me it was so <laughs> scary it's so good I love everything he does but yeah I am I'm so excited about this that one yes they're definitely like certain like he's really good at um building location and uh, I, I think with a lot of horror, you just get these scenes stuck in your head. And so now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, there are definitely some scenes from uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw that I'm like, yep, that one stands out. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for this. That sounds so good. Uh, Emma, would you like to talk about the book you didn't like? Uh, no, I'm actually just going to talk about something that I'm excited about because I think I talked about a book I hated on the last uh, podcast episode I was on. So let's just, we won't go there again. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to round out my truly random grab bag of picks with a thriller that I'm really excited about. Old school podcast listeners will remember that I was previously only on the thriller train um, and have recently been on romance and fantasy. So we are kind of circling back to past, past interests here. But Karen Slaughter has a new book. Um, she doesn't really need like, you know, promotion or advertising, advertising. Um, but I love her books. She has a book out, I believe, next week yeah. um, called False Witness. And she does such a good job, in my opinion, of creating thriller stories where the character has seemingly the most boring life ever. Um, but newsflash, they actually have like a crazy hidden past 
or like someone out to get them or all these other crazy things. And um, I just love her books that she, there's always like a catalyst moment where something happens and it's like, oh crap, this person's life is not at all what you think it is. Um, so that's the case with the character in this book. Um, Lee is just like a defense attorney. She has a daughter, even her divorce that she's going through is like as chill as I guess divorces can be. Um, and her life is super unremarkable. Um, but of course, behind all of her really boring adult life, she has um, a childhood full of all of our favorite things in mystery thrillers, betrayal, secrets, um, you know, violence, which Karen Slaughter's books are pretty grim. So like as a warning, um, they're not, they get pretty, I would say gross. They get pretty gross. There's often a lot of violence. Um, so if that is not at all your cup of tea, I would not recommend her books because they can get very, very dark very quickly. Um, but I guess in this book, Lee um, is sort of confronted with her past when she gets a case for a wealthy man um, who is accused of rape. And it turns out that she knows him, he knows her, um, and sort of his interaction with her threatens to bring up all of the things she's been running from for many, many years. Um, and so I just really love Karen Slaughter's books in that she always, I, I don't know how writers do this, but she always plots things out. I think where everything comes together at the end and all the pieces make so much sense, but as you're reading it, you're like, oh, how did I not notice this? How like everything is so perfectly done. Um, and so I'm really excited to get my hands on this book when it comes out next week. Um, it's been a while since she's come out with a standalone thriller. I think her most recent one was from her Will Trent series. So I'm excited to be back in standalone land. Do you feel like she's a good, like second reading author? Because like, again, you had all these pieces during her novel and then they come together. So reading it again is kind of like, oh, I see where that fits now. I think so. I think for certain books, most definitely you would pick up so much more the second time around. Hmm. She's, um, she's also this coming Monday's episode of our podcast. <laughs> nice guys. We're like really on it with this. Yeah, yeah, we are hitting it. So trending and she's yeah. so good. I like, I'm so excited to listen to the podcast though. She's hilarious, yeah, she um, is. which is yeah. almost at, at odds with the really dark uh, and heavy topics of all of her books um oh that's basically every author that's exactly every author every author who like <laughs> writes that stuff who like writes extremely dark books they're really and psychologically stable and funny because they get it all out on the page yeah that's <laughs> yeah, yeah that's fair i feel um, like i'm the only true. one who didn't talk about like blood and guts i need to What's well, okay. Oh, I have one that's not blooded. I have one that's not blood and guts. And oh, as, okay. as Kristen was apologizing for a book that comes out in um in August. This one doesn't want to October, but I don't care because I just finished it last night and I'm interviewing the author next week. And um, so it's called The Night the Lights Went Out by Drew McGarry. Drew McGarry is fairly well known as an author. He wrote the um he wrote the hike and postmortal, but He's much more known for the website that he used to write on called Deadspin and now the website that he writes on called Defector. My fiance um, loves him. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> he is like, without exaggeration, my favorite person on the internet. He has this ability. He is a middle-aged white male. He has a family. He's like a very suburban dad, 
Um, and so he, he doesn't hide from that. He writes, he's like happily a dork. He went on Chopped and he won like the celebrity Chopped like a, a million years ago. Um, he, but then he'll like, he'll write these like jokey dad things. He's very, like the thing that you may recognize him from if you are not even a fan of Drew McGarry or anything is every year he does this thing around Christmas called the Hater's Guide to the Williams and Sonoma like gift. Oh, that's that's like, that's yep. So, so Drew McGarry, but so he'll do these like really funny pieces, but then he'll write, um, he's without exaggeration, one of the best um, profilers in the, on the entire, like he'll write profiles for GQ. He did one on Anthony Bourdain that's like universally recognized as like the best thing that's ever been written by Anthony Bourdain. He's just an incredible human being. And so he wrote these books. If you've never read The Hike, highly recommend it. It's, it's so good. But The Night the Lights Went Out is um, nonfiction because a couple of years ago, he was hosting the Deadspin Awards in, a, um, in New York City. And afterwards, they went to a karaoke bar. He had one beer, so he wasn't drunk. He wasn't on anything, and he basically passed out in a um, in a hallway and hit his head so hard on multiple places in his head that he had brain hemorrhaging. The staff and like coworkers that he worked with with Deadspin and now work with him on Defector basically saw what happened. Were able to get him to a hospital and like beg the people at the hospital to like look, take a deeper look into his brain. And saved his life. He ended up having to have brain surgery that night. They had to put him in a two-week coma. And so this book is basically the like what happened that night. He interviewed all of his coworkers because he's like, obviously, I just woke up and I assumed it was the next day and I didn't know what had happened to me. Um, they told me I had been asleep for two weeks. And so it, he interviews all of like the first part of it, he interviews all of his coworkers and they explain what they went through to get him to the hospital and to keep him alive. And then it's all about his process of like, once he was somehow able to get out of the hospital, like he basically should not have lived, but he was able to get out of the hospital. And it's through his whole process of like learning how to smell again, getting cochlear implants, learning how to taste and like all these different things and like all the emotional wow. trauma that he went through and all the stuff that his family had to go through because of the like mental anguish that he was not realizing he was putting them in and then going to therapy for it and all this stuff. He is as healthy as someone could be now that has like, he lives a completely normal life. He writes, he, like I said, he wrote this book. He writes for defector.com, which is my favorite website on the entire, on the entire internet. He hosts a podcast. He's like, literally, I like when I found out that he was going to end up going to be being okay. And then I found out that he wrote this book. Like I, there's never been a book that I pushed harder to get the person on the podcast. And they even asked me like, he doesn't love talking for a super long time about this. And I was like, can I have an hour anyway? And like, they're like, sure, I guess maybe. So it doesn't come out to October, but like, it's just, I don't know. He's just this guy who has the ability to like write 4,000 words about football, but then he'll also write 4,000 words about like what the best side dish is for Thanksgiving. And both of them are equally good and wonderful things. So um, yeah, it's called the night the lights went out and he'll be on the podcast in October. But if you can, like, if you go pre-order it or place a hold on it now, wow, it's so good. So, so good. So um if you guys have like one really, really quick one, we can go, but Adam has a meeting at three. <laughs> <laughs> I have a super quick one I can do that I'm just excited about. Um, yeah. If you haven't heard Cadwell Turnbull speak on any author panel, he is thebomb.com and his new fantasy novel comes out in September, uh, No Gods, No Monsters. And it's kind of about like fantasy creatures like coming into the real world and kind of the social repercussions on that and how people deal with it. And I'm just really excited about it. I have an arc. I just, once again, 
I'm obviously behind on my arc. So it's I'm going to get there, but I'm really excited about it. He, since we've hit a trifecta, he was on episode 347 of the podcast. I interviewed him for the lesson, which was so good. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Now all three of you have unknowingly mentioned a podcast guest. So good job. I know. <laughs> we did it. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, I will say um, I read a, it's like a middle grade uh, or later elementary uh, graphic novel called Garlic and the Vampire by Brie Paulson. And it is adorable. It is about, it's so, so cute. Uh, it doesn't come out until, hold on, when is it? September 28th. So I'm sorry, I keep mentioning books that aren't coming out for a bit. Um, but this is about like a little humanoid garlic. Uh, oh my gosh, Adam, you're- I'm looking at the cover right now. Shut up, it's so cute. It's so cute. It's so cute. Just did the same thing. Ah! I just love it. Um, so yeah, it's about this adorable little humanoid garlic who lives on a farm with a bunch of other humanoid vegetables. My and God. they have a new neighbor who moves in who happens to be a vampire or they think might be a vampire. And they decide garlic should go check it out because vampires are afraid of garlic. And it's just this really adorable- book about like not judging people by you know stereotypes and things that you've heard about them um and it's just the drawings are so cute um I'd highly recommend this this is like a great fall read slash just like a really sweet middle grade graphic novel so please read it it's adorable it's so cute. I want to die. If you could oh see, gosh. yeah, if you could see Adam and my faces right now, we're both like, <sighs> so I need to read this like crying from cuteness. So yeah. Stinking cute. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, that's perfect. Oh, you ladies are the best. Oh, well, thank you all, as always, for coming on. You're my favorite. And we always make an hour go like so freaking fast. I very much appreciate it um yeah thank you thank you my heart is so full my heart is so full from that last like garlic and the vampire (laughs) i don't even know how to like end my own podcast anymore it's so cute (laughs) oh i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, And this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.